Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, we're joined by Andrea Brimmer, the Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer of Ally Bank. Andrea joined Ally in 2006, spearheading the creation of the Ally brand to what is now one of the largest banks in the United States. She was named CMO in 2015. Before Ally, she led the Chevrolet account on the agency side in Detroit and has been named twice to Forbes' list of 50 most influential CMOs. Thank you for spending some time with us today, Andrea. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's nice to see you, Jeremy. Thank you for having me on. Let's start with a little bit about Ally. Ally is actually an organization that's been around for a very long time, but as a brand is relatively new. And you've been there since the beginning of this brand. So could you talk a little bit about what Ally was and what Ally is today? Yeah, we always joke that we're the world's oldest startup. It's hard to believe that the Ally brand itself has only been in existence for about 12 years. But prior to that, the company was born out of the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. And our history is that of GMAC. We were GM's captive auto finance company. And when GM went through its bankruptcy, in order to remain insolvency, they spun off and sold GMAC to Cerberus. Cerberus didn't obviously have long-term intention of holding on to GMAC. And so when I came over, my first assignment was to work with a small group of people and to create this new company, this new brand and a very different way to come to market. And our idea was that in the same year that the smartphone launched, which is kind of hard to believe, that we were going to take this huge bet that people were going to bank in the palm of their hand going forward. And we launched the first all branchless, no brick and mortar digital financial services company, which ultimately has become Ally. Amazing. So Ally has grown into a full service retail bank. Correct. You know, what's interesting is when we launched, we had two products. We continued to have our auto finance product and we grew and expanded our relationships beyond just GM dealers to any dealer and any manufacturer. And today, if you fast forward, we do business with over 18,000 different dealers and are always amongst the top non-captive auto finance companies in the country. And then the second product that we had at the time was simply just the deposits product. We only offered deposits products through Ally Bank. And the model was we brought deposits in and we used the deposits to make loans on the auto side. When we started to see the resonance of the brand and the success that we were having and the appetite for digital financial service products, We knew that we had an opportunity to expand the product portfolio. So today, we have an invest platform, so self-directed and managed investment products. We have a personal lending platform. We also have a mortgage capability. We have direct-to-consumer auto lending, as well as the deposits products and the continuation of the auto franchise. So full-scale digital financial services today. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ally is still online only. No retail. No brick and mortar, all online, everything done in either the storefront or the mobile experience. And over 10 million customers today, top 25 retail bank. And really, we like to say we were the original disruptor. There's a lot of fintechs that are out there and they're kind of nibbling around all the edges of the financial services category, but really nothing that exists quite like us. We aren't 
like the brick and mortar banks because we are digitally native. We aren't like the fintechs because we have the full portfolio and we're federally regulated and insured. So we really love the very differentiated space that we sit in. So tell me about this success because online bank brands have come and gone since Ally became what it is. Frankly, why hasn't Ally decided to go into brick and mortar? There's been a lot of change in that marketplace. Online banks coming, then becoming brick and mortar or being bought by brick and mortar, et cetera. Why has Ally gone this route and how has it found its success? Well, to answer the question with regard to why we went that route, initially it was because we really didn't have a choice. We needed to come to market very quickly. If you think about the history of GMAC and when we were just creating Ally, it was in the middle of the turmoil of that financial crisis. We had a massive overhang of mortgage legacy through GMAC Mortgage. And much like many of the other financial institutions at the time and many companies at the time, we took a massive TARP infusion. So we didn't have liquidity. We didn't have the luxury of being able to build branches. We didn't have the luxury of being able to have funds to buy a branch system. And so we had to come to market in a digital orientation. And what we found is there was this massive advantage in that, in that we didn't have the structural infrastructure cost of brick and mortar. And as a result, we were able to give a very high rate on our savings products. We were able to eliminate or not be dependent on heavy fee structures, which so many banks are so reliant on as streams of revenue. And it allowed us to be really true to our focus around customer obsession and customer centricity. And I think to answer your second question, that's been the key to our success. When we launched, everybody kept saying to us, why are you launching a bank in the middle of the worst financial crisis in modern time? And we said, because the world doesn't need another bank, but it needs a better bank. And we solved for so many customer pain points that existed, eliminating ATM fees. You probably saw recently we eliminated all overdraft fees, paying high rate of return, 24 by 7 service, onshore call centers, speaking in plain English, having transparency, really putting the customer at the center of everything that we've done. And I think that's been the hallmark of why the Ally brand has not only persisted where a lot of brands have come and gone, but flourished candidly. As you said, you came of age in a time of urgency and I'm sure in a time where you really needed to show success in a short period of time. That to me means that you probably needed to be very performance oriented on how you did your marketing, very metrics based. Was that true? And if so, how did you accomplish that early on? Interestingly, Jeremy, was a balance, to be quite honest with you, because we had zero awareness. So we had to come into the marketplace. We had no customers and zero awareness. We had to come into the marketplace and we had to establish awareness. So a big portion of our plan was just putting the brand on the map. And the other challenge that we had is that this was a new practice for consumers. People weren't used to sending their money to the internet. They didn't know how to transact with us. And so a big part of the challenge was how do I convince people that we're safe How do we convince people that we're legitimate? You know, I jokingly always say, how do I convince people we weren't Joe's internet bank and they were sending us $250,000 that they'd never see again, right? And so there was a huge portion of the way that we came to market that was a pure awareness play. And a big part of our budget went to that. 
And with that, we got some latitude around some of those KPIs. But we had taken a lot of TARP money and we had definitely a lot of pressure around delivering. And we used the digital channel in a very significant way to launch the brand. So it was a lot of a one-two punch with put the awareness on the map, get people to be aware of the bank, but then drive them to a digital experience to convert. And all of our metrics at the time in that regard were around cost per account and really being maniacally focused on building this machine of extreme efficiency around bringing in a high rate of deposits against a low cost of acquiring that customer. And a few years ago, I think one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on was a few years ago, you spoke at the ANA and you talked about your focus on incrementality and also the idea of bringing a bunch of the marketing functions in-house. Could you talk a little bit about that evolution and why you made the decision to, one, bring programmatic buying in-house, digital buying, basically, and then also why incrementality is so important to you at this point? You know, it's funny, when I became CMO, I guess it's almost been seven years now, there was one person on my digital marketing team when I came into this role, one. And I'm happy to say he's still here today and is now leading the digital marketing organization. And we are in the process right now of in-housing all digital planning and buying. There are a lot of reasons that we decided to do that. One, we want control over our own data. There was too much of a black box around our data. And we felt that in this age of privacy, the changes that are happening in our industry, Google's recent announcement to delay a year notwithstanding, but all the ad blocking, the dropping of the cookie-less world that we're going into, we had to control our own data. And that was critically important. Two, what I've been really proud of is that we have been able to, over time, lessen our budget that we actually have put against customer acquisition because we've gotten more and more efficient every single year. So we're bringing in a larger group of new customers at a more efficient rate because we have perfected the acumen. And a lot of that has had to do with really owning programmatic, being across the desk from the most important vendors in the industry ourselves, as opposed to being intermediated by the agency. And then the third reason is really for speed, getting to market quickly. When you own your own data, you own your own creative, you own your own strategy, just the pace with which you can come to market, optimize, adjust, and really control your own destiny is infinitely faster. And that's something that we really felt was important given the growth trajectory of the company right now. It's something that we at Cognitive work a lot with our bigger brands, customers, and clients. Incrementality is something that we do really well and our clients come to us and say, we want incrementality, but it's really hard to do. So I'd love to hear about how you've learned to be successful at something that is pretty hard to do in the industry and frankly has not been a success, especially on the agency side a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that the team has done just a really tremendous job. If you think about going from zero to 10 million customers in this span of time and just the incredible growth trajectory, particularly of our deposits organization. And that's all been through incrementality, whether it's through a prospecting machine that we've built largely on the back of our digital prowess or through the 
way that we have deepened existing relationships with our deposits customer base into new products that we have brought to market, which has been a huge emphasis. And so for us, it's really been kind of a three-pronged approach. The first prong of it has been building awareness of the Ally brand. We're still only at about 55% awareness in the marketplace because we are still a fairly new brand. And so entering into places where we can expand the footprint at a rapid pace, whether that's sports sponsorships, event sponsorships, being really disruptive, we put in place what we call our disruptor calendar and doing really interesting things. For instance, partnering with Monopoly and taking six cities and turning them into live Monopoly boards and collecting leads through that process of using gamification to get people interested in financial services or creating an island on Animal Crossing and collecting leads through that process and really using gamification. So that's been the first prong is building out that awareness. And then the second prong has been once we've created that awareness, then really intersecting those prospects in a very coordinated digital journey. As we always like to say, we don't want to just follow people around the internet. We want to add value. So that value is either added through content, that value has been added through trying to utilize a strategy of understanding what the customer is in the marketplace for before they even really understand what they're in the marketplace for and delivering the right message in the right medium at the right time. And then third, once they enter into our flow, whether that's on the storefront or the mobile experience, landing them in the right place, not taking them to just generalized landing pages, but taking them to the product pages that they have the most aperture for, really talking to them about the things that are important to them, and then ultimately trying to make them part of the ally customer base and then cross-selling after they get into the ally customer base. So it's been a really coordinated kind of three-pronged strategy. That sounds like the only way to accomplish that would be to have that really in-house and coordinated across desks and things like that, correct? Correct. I mean, I think the other thing is we have internally built an incredible capability within our digital platforms. And we are at a place now where in our maturity as a company, we are ready to bring all of this in-house. So we may have had some capability on the marketing side that didn't exist within our own walls at Ally in our digital platforms. And now we've got that one-two punch. So we've got the ability to stitch together data. We've got that ability to land people in the right places. We've got the ability to create digital asset management where we can serve people hundreds of different messages depending on what they're interested in. So The journey is not just a marketing journey. You really have to work with your technology group. You have to work with your UX teams and your data teams and business partners. And you have to be in a place to be able to have that connected journey the whole way through. Because I can do the best digital marketing in the world, but if I'm landing people on landing pages or on things that don't connect with the signals that they're giving us, that's a bad customer experience. And so that one-two punch has been really important for us as a company. And so you also spoke a little bit about esports in the last answer. I also read that you are partnering with Twitch as one of the first brands working with the gaming platform's new official marketing partner program. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. That sounds really new and digitally savvy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we're a digital bank. We appeal to a very affluent millennial as well as a broad swath of Gen Z. And I have a firm belief that gamification, esports, 
it's the way that many of us have learned and many of people in this generation have grown up learning is through gamification and sports and esports and the emergence of new technology and financial services technically has low interest levels from people they're apathetic about finance when they should be emotional about finance and so as a marketer you know, the challenge that we've always had is that we've got to find ways to engage people and gamification and esports and making financial services enjoyable and fun and not scary and interesting can really be done in a great way through gamification. And so Twitch is a platform that we have used extensively. They've been a partner that we've absolutely loved intersecting their platform. We used it to debut Many of our marketing programs, the Animal Crossing program was a great example. So we built an island on Animal Crossing. It's a game largely about finance. And we introduced the island with one of the Twitch live streams and a gamer and introduced the notion to that audience. And it's a rabid audience. And for us, we've seen incredible resonance there. And we think it just speaks to the disruptive and progressive way that we think about marketing. And so for us, it made a lot of sense to get in early and to be able to do some really cool things with Twitch going forward. It sounds like Ally really wants to own this idea that we're going to be your partner. We're going to bring you along this journey of financial independence and maturity. And it just sounds great that you're doing the gamification piece. Yeah. I mean, our strategy and our belief has always been that it's your money. And if you save it well, you can spend it well on whatever you want. We've never been the kind of bank that's going to preach at you like, oh, you shouldn't buy that latte or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. And then we believe you save for what matters and you spend it on what matters. And teaching people how to have that mindset and really this philosophy around bringing financial solutions instead of financial products is just culturally something we believe in in a big way. And I think when you can authentically intercept people's passion points like gaming, esports, live streaming, all those kinds of things, and in a fun way, interject financial literacy, that it's a really powerful strategy and one that's worked really well for us. So let's switch gears a little bit to the last 14, 15 months of upheaval and change and pandemic. It seems like everybody needed to online bank in the last 15 months. Everybody needed digital and online capabilities, whether that was with these larger retail brick and mortar banks like City or Chase. How has that affected the way that you have had to compete, let's say, in the last 15 months? Well, I would tell you that one, the last 15 months for us have been fortuitous in that people have become more open across a variety of different segments to the digital orientation of just about every experience, not just banking, but look what's happened in auto and categories like grocery shopping and other services that have typically had a harder time getting Mm -hmm. resonance around digital orientation. So that has been a strength for us. Secondly, yeah, I mean, look, the big banks certainly are trying to fortify their positions in digital banking, but I think we have a 12-year advantage in that we were born for this moment. We are digitally native. It is not foreign to us. We aren't starting from scratch. We aren't trying to figure out digital experiences right now. And we also have this huge advantage that I talked about earlier, which is we have this maniacal focus on the customer. But secondly, we don't have any brick and mortar, which the big banks have. We don't have that fee structure. We don't have that reliance on the overhead that they have. 
And so we've got that perfect balance of a digitally native brand with a high rate of return for the customer. I think that's a pretty good combination that puts us in a really good place, regardless of a lot of the big banks focus on building out their digital capabilities. Well, it's almost even a better place because everybody's realized that they don't need to go to the branch. They don't need these big banks. And why not look for a place that's going to be better for them financially and really understand them better? Absolutely. I mean, last year was just an incredible year for our company in terms of new customer growth, deposit growth. And we haven't seen any slowing of that as we've gone into this year. We're finding that our customers are, even so far into this year, adding additional Ally products with us at really significant rates, the incredible reciprocity between the deposits portfolio and the invest portfolio, and just the ability to have both of those products. And with so much fluctuation in the market in the last year and a half, that's been a great opportunity for customers to move money seamlessly between their savings and their investing and to be able to do that on the fly. And that doesn't exist in a lot of the brick and mortars. And so I think that customers have seen that being able to pick up your phone and do anything that you want in five seconds flat, I mean, you can open an account at Ally on your phone in less than five minutes. That's a pretty good capability to have. The other side of the last 15 months from an upheaval perspective has been a renewed focus on racial equity, diversity, inclusion, all these pieces of the puzzle that have come about because of George Floyd and a number of those things. And you've been pretty public about how important diversity and inclusion are to you. Can you talk a little bit about how that has affected what you personally want to accomplish with your position at Ally? DEI is deeply personal to me. My youngest son is LGBTQ. Plus, he came out when he was 14 years old, and I've watched the positive metamorphosis that has happened for him as he's become his real self and not had to hide in his own skin anymore. But I've also watched the things that he's had to battle that his brother or his other siblings that are straight haven't had to battle. And as a mom, the mama bear comes out in you and It's been a bit of an awakening for me that I have a platform that I can use. And I'm blessed because I work at a company that believes deeply in DE&I and has for a long time and has stood on the right side of the conversation for a long time and encourages me to use that platform. And so being vocal is one way to do that. But I think being demonstrative, you know, deeds, not words, is a better way to do that. And so being able to do things like non-traditional things, like put pride stickers on our NASCAR and mashing up those audiences, being able to sign people like Bernard Pollard, who's a former NFL star who happens to be Black, and bring him as an ambassador to NASCAR races on behalf of Ally, which is not really a traditional place for Black consumers to show up. Being able to intersect things like SelectCon and sponsor that and teach financial literacy to a rising group of new creators and artists, those are powerful things that I'm able to do where I sit. Being able to sponsor things like GLAD and raise money for the Trevor Project, that's all about deeds, not words. And for me, that's been something that's been really important. And I love that this last year has been a tipping point. But I'm also really proud of the fact that for a long time, we've had very creative and progressive programs like Moguls in the Making that will be in our third year of now, where we're teaching the next generation of moguls how to be venture capitalists focused at Black students coming out of HBCUs. So that's a huge advantage 
I think, in just the culture at Ally and from the platform with which I sit. Wonderful. So our time is almost up and I'd love to close with the next 12 months instead of the last 12 months. What does Ally see happening? You know, there's still a lot of change coming about in the next six to 12 months with the pandemic hopefully ending, knock on wood, and people coming back to work, people being IRL in real life. How is that affecting your next 12 months of planning? It is definitely a choppy environment. It's no easy answer relative to getting people vaccinated, getting them back in the office and getting back to kind of doing things in person again. The way that we're thinking about the next 12 months is a lot of emphasis on getting us all back in the office. I think that especially as a marketing and a communications organization, there's an incredible amount of energy that you get from being around each other. And the ability to sit with your agency partners, the ability to sit with your teammates and ideate and whiteboard and just think about the art of the possible. So I'm super excited about that. But beyond that, I think that the consumer is forever changed. I think that the media fragmentation that has occurred in the last 15 months, while there'll be some level of normalization, particularly around linear TV versus streaming, there are a lot of new things that the consumer has tried and experienced that they're never going to really go back on. And our ability to push into that quickly, because we've already been studying it, been practicing it, been learning from it, been doing good things at it, but it's also been failing and ideating around it, is going to put us in a really interesting position to capture additional market share. I think the other thing is we behaved really really well during COVID in that we did the right thing for the customer. We had a very comprehensive forbearance package and created a lot of goodwill for our brand. I think we're really poised to capture a lot of market share as a result of the goodwill that we created. So we'll lean into the best of the brand. We'll lean into a lot of what we learned and hopefully we'll create a lot of momentum based on the energy of getting us all back together and back into a good routine and a good rhythm. And it's just nice to take a shower every day and put normal clothes on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as a n- number of friends have admitted to me that they didn't shower every day during COVID, <laughs> which is uh, funny. Well, we look forward to, to watching Ally climb the ranks of the largest banks in the United States over the next year or so. That does it for the time here. Thank you very much. Our guest today has been Andrea Brimmer, the CMO, the Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer of Ally. And I am your host, Jeremy Fain. This has been another episode of Hidden Layers, and we really appreciate you tuning in. Please listen and continue to join us as we record more episodes this year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeremy.